This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. Welcome to an all-new edition of Off the Break Podcast. <laughs> What's all new about it? <laughs> That's... Every, literally everything we talk about every week is new, except right. for ah. my, my rantings and ravings. And we have a new special guest who only took, once again, one more week off. <laughs> Cody. Well, stuff keeps happening. Actual actual topics of our industry keep popping up. I know. It, stuff's moving. Just things, when, things are happening. Just when you thought it was going to slow down and you didn't have much to yeah. say and you could take a short little break, you keep getting pulled right. back in here. I, could and I actually, keep bumping my mic. I could actually keep up or catch up with all my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then... Then AMC drops a bombshell, and we have to discuss. I think it's like a fart in church. I don't know if it's a bombshell. <laughs> no, I could. It isn't a fart in church like a bomb. It depends on how bad it smells. It yeah. could go yeah. off as a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> fart jokes, classic. <laughs> how old are we? <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what all three of us are here for. I think we're on the equal planes when it comes no, to that. No, today we're here to hear what Kyle finally thought of. Puss in Boots. Do you all? <laughs> <laughs> the moment everyone has been waiting for. Right. It's and February every, now. Yeah. And everyone assumed that this already happened if we just glossed over it. Uh, yeah. Ken was like, what is this? <laughs> Did well, we I talk assumed, about this? I assume Cody only sees like a dozen movies a year. So I'm assuming right. that if she saw it, we've discussed it at length during the podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, you guys might have. I really don't remember. Yeah. We okay. took the children to it. That makes sense. And we, um, as for me, yeah, <laughs> let's let's hear let's, your review we'll and then listen to Kyle and then we'll grade his critique. Yeah, of the we'll movie. grade his critique. We'll see if he's right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll advise if he is correct in his yeah. opinion. <laughs> well, I love this more than I anticipated, more than what everyone else was saying about this movie because it's just constantly you got to see this movie. This movie is so great. I was so charmed by this movie, and even still, I was blown away by what the movie did here i thought when it came to animation it was really stylish and it was clever and it made not only the action parts really good but also made the emotional parts really good and that was the thing that took away with this movie was that it was much more emotional than i thought it would be i thought that was a really good story of saying to audiences like you only have this one life so like make the most of it be it with the loved ones that are the closest to you and I was just so taken aback by how just everything worked on all cylinders for a Puss in Boots sequel when the first one came out like 10 years ago, it feels like. It was more like 20 years ago. <laughs> it was really a long time ago. Feels like it. it yeah, but it it really blew me off my feet. I was just really impressed by the turnout of this movie, and I can see why that it's carried over in theaters as much as it has despite it being on vod for like half of its theatrical run pretty much so i'm just happy that not only is it just a movie that audiences would rather go see in theaters than on their own tvs but that it's an animated movie too that seems to cross uh all generations all ages and yeah i just wound up being really really impressed by it nice wish i saw it sooner (laughs) so i gave the review um just recently i had a mom that wanted to take her kids to it and I said, okay, if you have kids that are sensitive, like have sensitive big hearts, mm-hmm. then the uh, 
big bad wolf character. So good. It's so good, but scary. Yeah. Because it's actually death. Yeah. And you find out. And the design twist. and like the little similar to nuanced like, moments are yes. just old. The older animated movies where there was something horrifying in them. Yeah. Where it was actually scary. Like the villain was a bear, but somehow it was the most creepiest image you would see. But just go <laughs> down the line of all these. I mean, you pick the most obscure ones, like the great mouse detective. Right. And the bad guy is scary. Yeah. Like yeah. it's actually scary. You pick any of these movies, there's always something in them that's like, that's going to horrify kids. We want <laughs> right. to scare the crap out of them. So I do, I do talk this movie about does that. that because it's not that he's vicious or anything he's just so intense and the mm-hmm. whistle and it it does get you your sense senses heightened yeah when he's on screen and i thought that was really clever and i did th- think the actual bad guy in the movie was good too like yeah but there was like three he, of them he revolted yeah. you he did he was so grossed me out it was hard, <laughs> he was hard to look at and that was okay yeah that was its point and yeah. he was also voiced by john mulaney so that's a win in my book <laughs> Yeah, but the Bears and Goldilocks, they were bad guys, but they weren't bad guys. Right. Right. They weren't bad guys. (laughs) Was that a bad guys reference? I still haven't seen uh, that one. Wreck-It Ralph reference. Wreck-It Ralph reference. Oh, that is right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can be, we are bad guys, but we are not bad guys. Yep. (laughs) Crushed men's skulls and thighs. (laughs) Well, speaking of terrifying for kids, do you want me to talk about Knock at the Cabin? Yes, <laughs> let's hear your take on this. I had to um, Google the ending, so I, I know what happens in the movie now. So, Gotcha. What, so what did you think, Kyle? Dave Batista power bombs that little girl off the top rope. Boom. <laughs> Game, set, match. Yeah. I got to say, Shyamalan still keeps surprising me with those endings. <laughs> Batista punting kids off. <laughs> no, that isn't what happens. Um, but no, with Shyamalan, I think we all know this when it comes to his career and his movies. One is really great. The next one is really terrible. One is really great. One is really terrible. And the last movie I saw of his, which was old, I thought was really terrible. And I just kept getting annoyed that I was on this roller coaster of emotions when it comes to him. And sure enough, uh, with Knock at the Cabin, I am doing the same thing all over again. I thought it was really good and a, a really good um, personal thriller. I thought they did a really good job with the main couple and humanitizing them while also having this foursome who is attacking them and keeping them contained as like this apocalypse may or may not be happening was just really good um, balancing that between the two to where you're not sure what is going on, but you kind of get the impression that what is going on is actually happening. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it makes you care about like all the characters, not just the protagonists who are held hostage, but also the people who are the, uh, the hostage takers in a weird way it just all kind of worked very well and yeah it just kept me on the edge of my seat and I thought the ending was a bit of a surprise but it was one that I kind of liked I thought it worked for the movie and yeah I don't know I just thought that it was a really good time to theater to where it was able to get me on edge did you were you questioning yourself the whole time like is this there do they herald the apocalypses or is this all fake and are they conspiracy theorists there's small moments like one of the protagonists does go like and give reasonable explanations onto how this could be false and mm-hmm. you kind of buy into it but yet in the as the movie keeps progressing more and more you're along with the protagonist and going oh this is becoming more and more real mm-hmm. and i don't know i just like that build of it rather than keep on 
having a guessing uh, factor throughout the entirety of it. Right. So I just thought there was a nice build to uh, that climax where everything really is as true as it seems to be. Nice. And from what everyone's saying, Dave Batista is now the new high watermark of professional wrestling wrestlers turned actors. Yep. He clears it, exceeds it. <laughs> he is the scary, gentle giant in this movie, and he just plays it really well, and he just knew exactly how to bring this interesting character onto the screen. And, yeah, he just we just love him on this show, and he keeps impressing us. So I, I saw, really liked him in this movie. I saw this great red carpet interview with Dave Batista where he said that when he, the casting director for guardians um, was like, have you ever worked with Lee pace? He's like, no, I don't know who that is. He's, she's like, Oh, you're going to love him. He can do anything. Mm -hmm. Like he is so good. He can do anything. She was just really talking up Lee pace. And he goes, I, that's what I um, aspire to be. I want to be just thought of as, Oh, Dave Bautista is so good. He can do anything. The character actor. Yeah. Like he yeah. can just morph in. And I just thought that was such a nice, like, I don't know, just such a nice goal to have, you know, something to attain, inspire. Yeah. Him. It doesn't feel like the usual, I want all the fame. I want to be the headline. I want to be right. the big action star, yada, yada. He, he really seems to have taken appreciation to uh, the idea of movie making, the idea of acting, the idea of seeing movies mm -hmm. in its truest form on the big screen and he wants to be a part of that experience um both as the audience and as the the person on the screen not in the big headline role but still a, a noteworthy enough role so i yeah i think that is really cool of him it is funny they put they always put these guys in the same spots they're in action movies they have little quips mm -hmm. like which they which they carry well right that's dwayne johnson's entire career yeah. That's John Cena's now entire career. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Dave Batista started. But it's it's really interesting. Like this may be I said this before, but professional wrestling may be a new pipeline into <laughs> actor actors. I mean yeah. it may be a real thing. I mean we have three solid examples that all have big careers well because they have to have a level of showmanship they Correct. have to yeah. entertain an audience they have to capture an audience's attention and and in on such a big over-the-top grand scale that and that, and just with such a natural charisma that i think it just naturally breeds good actors yeah and hair in the case of john cena he just all of a sudden grew a full head of hair out of nowhere. Boom. You can do that? He, he did. That's how impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's how good of an actor he is. He went from bald in his mid-20s to having a full head of hair in his 40s. Just called method acting. Yeah. He's so committed to this goal of being having the best head of hair. <laughs> Pulled it off. Let's see Batista do that, huh? No, he, Batista's awesome. Well, our next topic yes. is... The one thing we're not allowed to do in the theater exhibition industry, variable pricing. We all know right. this is completely out the window. It's not allowed. No one's ever been able to do this. No one will ever do this. It's in every master licensing agreement with every film company. No variable pricing. Well, well let's describe what variable pricing is. So historically, variable pricing was how giving based on the content on the the movie so if you played an old classic it might be a three dollar ticket if you played a new film on the break it might be a ten dollar ticket all of the studios have always 
out, outlawed that variable pricing based on con- on content on the film itself because they didn't want people buying a classic movie ticket at a three dollar price and sneaking into the ten dollar movie. I mean, <gasps> sneaking in. sneaking in or <laughs> or or exhibition reporting more tickets sold on the three dollar price and paying film rental off a lower price than what was actually being done. They okay. g- it just gave that sidetracking. Have you ever snuck into a movie, Cody? I don't know if I have. I've snuck (laughs) adult beverages into a movie before, but I don't know if I snuck myself into one. I've always wanted to see the movie that I wanted to see. I've never had any reason to sneak in. Yeah. But... And and Kyle's the most innocent among us, but I have a feeling he's got a dark secret here. No, not when it comes to movies. No. About sneaking yourself in or adult beverages? (laughs) I plead the fifth? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So back to the variable pricing. They didn't want pricing changes based on the content on the screen. Right. But now, how else can you have prices change? And it could be from the experience from the experience in the theater and when and when what we really saw with this was when we started upgrading seating from standard seating to recliner seating that we saw upcharges for certain for those seats or auditoriums with those seats in them. And recently, AMC just took it a step further and said, okay, in the auditorium, what else could we upcharge for this experience? <laughs> Everybody's got their seat. I can't do it on the content of the film. What else can I do? Oh, genius idea. Sight lines. So I'm going to charge less for the front row, which nobody sits in anyways on a given night. And I'm going to charge more for that center section that everybody really wants and then i'll just charge standard for the wings waiting in the wings sections yeah and this is the part of our podcast that's going over like a fart in church yes (laughs) (laughs) there is nobody that's on board with this no it was really surprising um AMC dropped the news about their sightline pricing, which they have been experimenting with prices with different pricing models since the pandemic. They mm. have, they were some of the ones. Them and Regal did the surge pricing. So Friday and Saturday nights of opening weekend, you might pay two dollars or three dollars more for that Ant Man or the Mar- next Marvel movie or whatever it was than you would something else because of the surge in interest and. Or then they do value pricing where Friday, Saturday, and Sunday might be one price. During the week might be priced. They're Super Saver Tuesdays. So their pricing models are being experimented and, with all the time. And presentation upcharges right. for laser, Atmos, yes. large format, IMAX. All of those. Yeah. All of those get an upcharge. So there's a lot of variability in your experience. But <laughs> anymore, especially if an auditorium has gone to luxury recliners, there are so small, there is no sightline difference. You basically have 40 to 80 seats on normally, especially in a recliner auditorium. Nobody is seeing anything at an angle. It's not like it used to be where you would have a thousand seats and yeah, somebody on the very corner end would be at an angle. Had a post in their way. They had a, a radiator <laughs> yeah. next to their leg. They yeah, something. No. They were in the smoking section. <laughs> and I know that AMC can ha, has crunched the numbers 
They can tell on occupancy rates on specific seats because they've mapped out their auditoriums, all theaters that can sell advanced tickets online and have the, have the audience pick their seat, have mapped out the auditoriums. They know the seats. They can go back and look and see which seats are being picked most times. And it's, and you know which ones they are. They're set right in the middle, in the, about the middle of the auditorium, so you get the best sound, the best sight. Yeah. So that's just all that they're doing. But I, so they drop this news, and I'm thinking, oh, makes sense. Like that's, that's just what they're they're nickeling and diming the consumer, and that's kind of what corporates do. But then the amount of people are like, we have to talk about this. <laughs> Is this what's happening? Is this what thing all our independence going this to was, this? I mean, we're getting as many calls for this, yeah. like as when Mulan went to Disney Plus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a way bigger than people think it is i mean kyle said he's talking to friends about it yeah Yeah. just the most average of moviegoers that go see a movie (laughs) what three maybe four times a year and even they're getting this story and they're going what is happening like is this going to be a thing (laughs) i mean the headlines read amc theaters is doing this but it could the the mindset could be okay if it's this one corporation how many of the other corporations that are nearby me or even independents are going to go with this model too right and i get where what they're trying to do and the way i've been explaining it to people is okay i've got a venue i can increase ticket prices but part of that box office revenue goes to the studio so i don't so i don't gain that much raising those prices i can raise concession prices but in but at a certain point it gets absurd and then you risk people just sneaking food in so that can be raised into perpetuity so you have to make a third revenue stream and and that's on the experience. And, mm-hmm. and in a theater, you have such limited variability in the experience. You can do it for, like Ken said, a PLF, a preferred large format, or IMAX, or 4DX, or D-Box, or Atmos Sound, or whatever you can come up with that can give you that difference in quality. You can charge for different seats. So in auditoriums seats, yeah. yeah if auditoriums with recliners or rockers or standard seating there's a change there but that's kind of limits you to oh and then the show times in the day you can charge but that goes back Matinee to pricing yeah and, that goes yeah. more back to ticket pricing which you don't get all of that mm. change in so i can see where a company looking at their thing because there are very high fixed costs to running a movie theater. There's electricity, there's labor, there's, you know, uh, product and inventory um, consideration. So they're just expensive to run. And with inflation, everything has gone up, but you aren't able to increase ticket prices and capture that revenue to cover that change. To account for that, your film rental terms went down, right? Oh, yeah. And the studios were super, super (laughs) partners on that, letting the film (laughs) rental terms go down. Not... So they do need to do this. Do I think that this is the best way for them to do it? Absolutely not. Like, I can see if you increase the upcharge because there's a quality experience there. Like, if I'm sitting in a standard seat and there's a recliner right next to me, I can see paying, you know, 2 or $3 extra for that recliner. You're getting something for your money. Yeah. But just to be, like, sitting next to somebody and just because their chair happens to be more central in the auditorium yeah you could be paying two different prices when we're all kind of in front of a screen anyways when when so much architecture in movie theaters has changed over time to eliminate sightline issues yeah it's just one 
glob of seats. It's not, yeah. you know, rows upon rows upon rows. Why do you think at, stadium at such an art yeah. angle? Why do you think stadium seating was created so everybody had a perfect sight line to yeah. the screen? Like yeah. it's just, I don't know. It so that I also think that the consumer feels attacked a little bit. I think that's where your they friends do. were coming from. Like they <laughs> felt personally nickeled and dimed and singled out mm. because they everybody has that theater experience that they absolutely go for they want to be there in their certain seat and now to think that i have to pay more for that seat for no reason other than it this this company thought my sight line was a little bit better is absurd and uh, and if i can add on these Mm -hmm. same people are starting to come back into the theater going habit i mean we've had a great 2022 and we did have you know end of 2021 and we even had a great 2023, but obviously we're still in the rebuilding and the convincing of people to come back to the theaters like that is still going on, but it has gotten better. And unfortunately, right when it seems like we're finally getting over the hump and we're just about to, you know, surpass this, then theater, this uh, theater chain comes in and says, oh, this ticket price that you're already spending a lot of money to be able to attain. Now it's possibly going to be even more just for a seat or two difference in terms of pricing so i think they're already despite being convinced to come back they're still not enjoying the ticket prices so if they see that there's now different uh ticket prices and they could be even more expensive just based on like one or two seat difference then i think it's going to hurt them in wanting to come back and we might get back to almost square one which is personally my fear yeah i think there's there's definitely a big issue with that hurdle of you know, it is a higher price. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and not, and everybody's not necessarily going to change their movie going habit to find the cheaper option. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, $3 is going to make me want to go the first row, but $3 might keep me from wanting to spend the $15 to go in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to want to see the movie so badly that, I'm going to eat that cost. The, the, there's the fear that that's the case. But the, they're, they're hurting the one audience that everyone is praising and talking about, which are the value-conscious old folks. Yeah. And that's what everybody <laughs> was pumped about with Top Gun. I mean, 80 for Brady almost was number one last weekend. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was less than a million dollars off. For when, sure. When, I mean, not that it was it was less than 15 million, but being that close to number one with discounted tickets – you know, yeah. that's not going to happen. AMC is no. not going to do that now when it comes time to this. Or just, this. yeah, I, I think you single out them, but just the whole demographic thing. I We're think... just going to take a complete demographic off yeah. the table by just... alienating a whole group of folks who are retired, by the way, and have lots of free time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so those yeah. afternoon showings. Yeah. <laughs> it really does hit the avid movie goer, too. Mm. Now, now they say if you're part of their stub hubs, which is their loyalty program, you won't have to pay the upcharge. So it is kind of a way to incentivize people. But if you're not already a stub hubs member, this isn't going to make you be a stub hubs member. Not really. No. And, and so I don't think... I mean, I think that's nice for them, but I don't think that that's a deterrent. I think most people are always going to go to the movies based on the content. No matter how wonderful your venue is, they people want to see good movies. And so when we have something like 
the next avatar. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of people and you'll have a full auditorium. But it's the one-off and the in-between in between franchise films that this is going to affect the most, I think. Like yeah. maybe a 65 um, from yeah. Sony that's coming out maybe next I'm month. Maybe I'm not going to spend my $15 on that. Yeah. But if you have a, a standard, just for ease of math, because I'm a moron, if you have a standard $10 <laughs> ticket price and it's $2 more to sit in the, the central seats, you are paying 20% more for your ticket to watch the exact same thing as someone else. Right. With, if you with go, no change in the If in you the go experience. to an NFL game and you're sitting on the 50-yard line in the third row and someone is sitting on the 50-yard line in the 6,000th row, yeah, you're not paying 20% more. Right. You're paying substantially more for that mm-hmm. benefit, but there is an actual difference. Right. Right. <laughs> difference so in viewing that's quality. What, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what AMC was looking at. They were trying to say, well, other entertainment venues – Live theater, live sporting events, live event, they charge a difference for proximity. It's a proximity charge. But you get a proximity charge because you are getting closer to actual action. No one is getting closer to a screen in this scenario. There's no no depth to it. Yeah, and you don't (laughs) don't want to be closer, and you don't necessarily want to be far away. Like, it's not – it does not change, though, the experience of the movie where you're at now – could I do I want to be at a football game and be so close I can see the sweat dripping off those faces? Yeah, like I will pay extra for that. That makes sense. I want to smell it. Oh, God. Uh, that's how close I want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's aggressive. Um, and I'll pay aggressive dollars for my, it. The two football fans are like, "Oh, why would you say that?" The, the best conversation I had this week was with a uh, booker at a film company that uh, worked for a certain animated mouse. <laughs> and they discussed like Disney has built their their model and their high terms and their extreme marketing campaigns based around full auditoriums over the last twenty years. Mm. I mean, forever, but especially over the last twenty years since the Marvel stuff started and since they got Star Wars, it's based on filling every single seat in that auditorium for the first ten days. Mm-hmm. And if that's not possible because someone is saying this seat is not valuable, mm-hmm. yeah it drastically affects their business model. It can. <laughs> now, I think, though, that post-pandemic, like that business model probably needs to change because if you talk to exhibition, you are not selling out every single seat every single night. There is an occupancy issue. But given that, how do you enforce this? You know, if if the movie starts and you look around and you see, hey, nobody's in the better seats, I'll just pay for my cheaper ticket and move over and who's going to enforce it? Who's going to get up in the middle of a movie and enforce this? Are you going to let your high school staff that you can barely staff your cinema with enforce it? I don't think so. So you have the usher that wears the fez that walks around and tells everybody, takes them to their seats. Yeah. Wait, they don't With the flashlight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the flashlight. The little hat. Yeah. Yeah, the oh, they don't do that anymore? Oh, wait, they haven't done that in 50 Sir, years. sir, you need to be quiet, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to have to take you out. You're in the wrong seat in an empty auditorium. I need you to move two seats over because you paid for that seat. Yeah, yeah, even with assigned seating, that's still a a thing that happens for sure. So yeah. how? So the same problem is still going right. to arise anyway. So I, I looked at it like an enforcement issue. I've always counseled my clients that if you're going to raise ticket prices or you're going to do anything try to pair that with a change in the experience and usually try to give your audience something a little extra when you take that so 
when you redo your seats, that's a perfect time to update the ticket prices and raise prices. Cause, cause they see that they see that they're getting something for that new ticket price. You get a benefit for the yeah. cost. And even if there's a little bit of complaining in the back of my mind, still no. Yeah. It's still, it's still, it, you won't get as much complaining. Yeah. The complaining will lessen. Yeah. But doing something like this where it's the same seat, nothing has changed. changed. You're just arbitrarily trying to nickel and dime them that you will get backlash for that for sure. Yeah. And the only upside is getting an app on your phone, another app on your phone. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I business sense. Sure. I get why, but audience wise, I just don't see it really making too big of a difference. Now they are just still experimenting with this and amc is just doing this in new york and la which they probably have higher occupancy in those theaters and they probably do sell out more often so but i does this seem to be a model that i think translates across the country and it definitely for independence no i don't think this is something that you can like glean from and um that make that makes sense to the consumer you don't think in kansas city missouri you could just charge more for the same thing without anybody like freaking the hell out (laughs) no i don't see it going well in fact excuse me sir i know you've sat in that same seat for every film you've been in this time it's two dollars and fifty cents more what did you just say (laughs) why why is it more oh well sir because obviously you can see the screen better (laughs) but don't worry that seat next to you two dollars cheaper yeah. So oh, just about the same experience. Same, seeing the same screen from the same angle okay. because we got rid of and that. I, I want to talk about this too. Not that I want to take away a seat from anyone that is disabled or is in a wheelchair, but yeah. those are considered value sightline seats. <laughs> I mean, Cody bought me one of those yeah. zero gravity uh, camp chairs. Okay. That's nicer than any theater seat I've ever been in. Can I bring it in with me and save some cash on the seat? I wouldn't take it away from anybody, but if nobody's sitting there. Is that what theaters need to use instead? Bring your own seat, baby. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be the next iteration. Gonna bring our lawn chairs, get a sofa. Blankets, it'll be like a... A drive-in without cars. They just put <laughs> they just put astroturf down. Yeah. And yeah, like padded like that padded playground equipment. Like Shakespeare in the like park. Material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But inside, right. I like that. We might be on to something. We'll loop you guys back in on that um, business idea of ours. Uh, all right, so now we're on our pop culture segment. Uh, do we have anyone that wants to go first? Speaking of Shakespeare, Cody wants to talk about the show Yellowstone. Ah, <laughs> uh, the equivalent of Shakespeare. So we, we are based in Montana and that Yeehaw. stupid Yellowstone Howdy. show has no joke brought so many more people to Montana. Like it is a legitimate reason why people were moving to Montana is to live out the Yellowstone fantasies that they see. I mean, you pull actual real estate brokers in this area, and that is what they're telling you because it is real. Like, it is a phenomenon. It's happening. And it's been so annoying because that show does not show what Bozeman or Montana is really like at all. To be fair, it's pretty accurate. I mean, I don't have – Cody and I don't have 30,000 acres. (laughs) We have 28,000. I mean, Kyle's Kyle's single – He's got 35,000 acres and yes. 6,000 head of cattle that he runs. And then sure. he comes in and, and yeah. graphic designs during the day. Yeah. It's just a hobby. Yeah. It, yeah. There's just so much space. Who doesn't have acreage here? <laughs> Who doesn't? But No, it's like it's like a regular town with a Target and a Walmart and bad <laughs> gas stations. I mean, it's not, it's not that much different. Except it's so places. expensive. 
and they don't talk about that. But the price, but nobody owns ranches, and it's very, very expensive. If you want that ranch, you know, cowboy, go to Eastern Montana, and they are begging for people. So to, move go to, there. Go to yeah. Wyoming. Yeah, go to Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming go to Eastern great. Montana. Quit coming here. <laughs> so I hate that. But good news on the horizon. Um, Kevin Costner might be leaving the Yellowstone show, and they might have to. They might have to stop it. They might pivot with Matthew McConaughey, which is fine. Whatever. That'll probably not work out anyways. But this iteration of Yellowstone in what it is now might be done finally. And I am so excited. Now, I was nearly excited for you until I thought about the upgrade that this show is about to have. I mean, you go from old man Kevin Costner to... Hot, hot middle-aged man Matthew McConaughey. Um, old man Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, says, okay, he's teetering, yeah, but yeah. he's, but you know, it, he's getting it's a like, little leathery. It's the it's the facelift that this show has been needing, and I bet even more people are gonna go. Oh, now Montana is interesting and sexy. Oh no! Now we definitely have to move here, say, Cody. Like as much as it's all gonna have, go downhill. Just reassure me that it's all gonna go downhill. Kevin Costner. Matthew McConaughey has been like a real actor for the last 10 years, like actually done real things. He hasn't played Kevin Kevin Costner on screen. <laughs> Kevin Costner is an older version of Tom Cruise where he just plays the same ag- character in every film. He doesn't do anything different. But to a I'm, less exciting degree. Yeah. I'm not. I'm telling you, that show's stupid. And I don't know why people liked it. I think it. it's going to get worse. No. Just no, assure me that it's all going downhill. And Matthew McConaughey's voice assure, will be really annoying. You want me to assure you that it's all going to get better? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. No! <laughs> <laughs> you walked uh, right into that one. All right, Ken, let's hear yours now after that beautiful conclusion. Well, I want to talk about the Grammys. They're, they're a waste do? of time. All these, I know, strangely enough, all these award shows we've talked about are a waste of time. We've got to come up with Off the Rig Podcast's own awards awards yeah. so that we can really award the movies that that actually did business mm-hmm. <laughs> right did things but the grammys i'm i don't give any two hoots about two anybody hoots. two hoots like two cody said hoots. about the grammys but then i saw that viola davis won a grammy for a spoken word version of her autobiography that counted that's how okay I did not know it was uh, for that. Screw off Grammys. Screw off Viola Davis. All right. As my, <laughs> I I will never say that to Viola Davis, but. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. You, nope. I can't. I can't retort. No. All right. She she and all these people, because it this was the last thing she needed to get her whatever. It's her called. EGOT. Yes. They can all go to hell. I don't <laughs> care about this at all. I spoke. She didn't even sing. Okay. <laughs> The Grammys are music. I don't care if it's a spoken word album a la William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. There has a to be. Rocket Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> but it's, it's Viola Davis. She can probably sing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, just sing a song. Try just release a... one single. Yeah. Get a best single award or whatever it is Something. and then get your ego that way. Anything. Sing, sing a song on the Woman King soundtrack and win it as part of an ensemble. I never <laughs> Something. I never looked. I saw the headlines that she got the EGOT, but I didn't understand what it was for. I was like, did she 
compose a song? Oh, no. Did oh, no. she and sing I, something? And I read it really quick, like someone who reads um, or flips through CNN or Fox News. I read it really quick, so I could be wrong, but I don't care. <laughs> it pissed me off. I, I don't have time for this. There's plenty of actors and that have bands that make actual music. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do it that way, folks. Let make Viola Davis form a supergroup. <laughs> <laughs> Dave the, Grohl and Bruce Springsteen to win her Grammy. Okay, make her go off the board here. Now, just the thought of that, I'm in. Yeah. That's the band I see. That makes see. way Nothing more else. sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know you can get Grammys for audiobooks. Grammys are weird. Anyway, um, what's yours, Kyle? I saw a headline that the rom-com you people from Netflix had to insert a CGI kiss meaning that the two lead actors, one of them being Jonah Hill, uh, were in like one of the shots in the movie where they're getting married and they have to kiss. They leaned in halfway, but they stopped there and then let CGI do the kissing for them. So their faces practically morph into like the rest of the way. <laughs> and it just makes me so mad that rom-coms have become streaming trash where CGI has to be used to put in like chemistry like the most basic of wait chemistry. wait hold on a second so they didn't do like the old-fashioned switcheroo when they show like somebody's butt and it's a body double they didn't have someone else come in and replace and kiss jonah hill instead they just they just faked it from from here yeah in yeah so they didn't just have like you show matthew mcconaughey pulling down his dungarees and then they <laughs> have somebody else's butt in there no they just they just stopped it right there and they're like we're going to let technology take care of this one for us. We got us. the power of CGI, baby. I mean, let's fake this romance. I mean, how I bad it. is it that they they're professional actors? Isn't if their characters are in love and this is a component about two people being in love is that you got to kiss. How is it that they cannot kiss each other? Is, is their chemistry so bad? And if that was the case, recast it. I've, I've kissed lots of people I don't like. <laughs> I mean, how you can't suck it up for a quick, like, mwah on the lips. Hee <laughs> hee, we're in love. Mwah. Like, it is, you have to pretend. That's, that's your that's job. That's the point of the rom-com. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I, uh, hate the, I hate what this oh, genre has become. A wedding, a wedding I kiss, hate CGI. A wedding kiss is the most pretentious kiss you'll ever have yeah. in your whole life anyway. You can be awkward and like standoffish on a wedding kiss because you're up in front of everybody. That would be but the even, easiest kiss to even do. Even in real life, are you going to maul your significant other in front of their family? No. No. <laughs> Gross. Make no. it look convincing enough. Hey, <laughs> Get that yeah. chemistry. Hey, grandma, watch this. <laughs> this <laughs> is for you, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying it's the easiest kiss to do in the plethora of kisses it's it's the basic thing you gotta right. nail in the rom-com <laughs> i'm just saying if if rom-coms of past could have billy crystal and uh, uh tom hanks be like charismatic leading men and can like sell yeah. this stuff i i feel like rom-coms nowadays should be able to do that right no. I mean, it's Meg so Ryan frustrating. Had to get in bed with a half naked Billy Crystal and look like she was pleased about it, <laughs> and she nailed that. That's all. True I'm actress, right um, there. Yeah, it's not like it used to be. A counterpoint, though. You, we all, we all joke about the the Jason Momoas of the world, and but I, I couldn't kiss Jonah Hill. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, <laughs> in the movie, he does look like he stepped off of a yacht like sailing through Rome and he did a bunch of Coke. So I, I don't, get it. I don't care what, 
how how much the the sag scale has increased since <laughs> since covid couldn't do it <laughs> nope excuse me out well as I, a female I, I understand i i could close my eyes <laughs> and just a quick and hey you got no, paid for the job i i'm welcome, you know why welcome to my life I'm a, I'm a goddamn professional okay and i'll get it done uh, romance is not dead, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so many jokes I want to make now. But th- it's the end of our episode anyway, so yeah. you can't make those jokes, Thank Ken. God it's don't, the end. don't make Kyle uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank God it's not the it's the end of the episode, not my marriage. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, everyone. What do we have this weekend? Oh yeah, let's talk about that. For movies, what, what weekend know? is it? The, the Valentine's the 10th? Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. weekend. Super Bowl. So we have, and we have Titanic, and then Marlo on Wednesday. Yeah, we have Marlo opening Wednesday, the fifteenth. This upcoming Wednesday, yeah. right? Today's Thursday when we're recording. Yeah, but we're in the week of the tenth, so it opens. Yes, the week of the tenth. Mm-hmm. So Magic Mike. Oh, and Magic some, Mike. It's somewhere, guys. I ha- I hate to break it to you. I'm just gonna tell you now. If a lot of people are upset they didn't get Magic Mike on the break, don't worry. It doesn't have butts. There's no butt scenes. People are going to be disappointed. I think you dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, the ratings aren't kind. No. For a Magic Mike movie. Because there are no butts. <laughs> what was the point of the movie? You read very different reviews than I did. No. We, I, need, we need fit touches. There, there was... There is a point to this movie, and it is not about his character development. There's a point to this movie, and it's round and voluptuous. Yes. <laughs> and it is for ladies. Yeah. Well, it stinks that it couldn't go wide, but I think we'll be okay with it. I think we can move on. There'll be other movies. I hope so. Yeah. I hope the studios learn their lesson, and we're like, we need stump butts in here, stat. Stump butts. For everything. For everything. Well, Ant Man's coming out next weekend. <laughs> Paul Rudd ass action. <laughs> Little is the <laughs> right adjective for that. Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas. Mm. <laughs> and on that note, we are out of here, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at ScreenInsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.